Hello and welcome to series two of my DIY handbook. If you just discovered me in this podcast, welcome along. And if you've been rocking with us since series one, then welcome back. This podcast is for the creative, the freelancer, the entrepreneur, those who have ideas that they want to get off the ground. I'm a DJ, broadcaster and label owner, and I've been working in the music industry for over 10 years. And this podcast is all about me sharing what I've learned so far and continue to learn. So hopefully it will help and equip you for what may come on your journey to your dream career. In series two, we'll be exploring rejection, money, well-being, contracts, value and more. I'll be joined by a variety of guests who I admire, some who've been on a similar journey and some who are bona fide experts in those challenging areas. So I hope you enjoy our conversations and you can take away gems of advice and food for thought. If any of these episodes resonate with you, then feel free to get in touch. Give us a follow on Instagram, DIY underscore handbook underscore, or follow me directly at Jams Supernova. All right, let's dive in. If there is one aspect of my work that will instantly fill me with dread, sweaty palms, anxiety, it is being served with a contract. Now, no matter your industry, at some point you'll be presented with a contract. And even in our personal lives, you're buying a house, you're leasing a car, you're sorting insurance. There is always a contract. And in this episode, I wanted to share with you what happened when I was young and naive and I signed a lengthy management contract. My guest is music producer Conductor and he shares his experience of signing a record deal to a major label and what that contract meant for him. Collins, a.k.a. Conductor, one of the finest DJs and producers to ever do it, specialising in garage and house music and electronic music. Um, Welcome to the DIY Handbook. We're going to have a little chat about, yeah, everything that's kind of not what you would expect to uh, be talking about with you. I guess a lot of the time you do a lot of like music-based sort of interviews about what you've got coming up, what's coming next, that sort of thing, right? Yeah. Stuff like this is really good because it's educational. And I feel like within music, I feel like there should be a lot more in terms of platforms and kind of like just resources for like artists and just people to kind of learn about what really goes on behind the scenes or stuff that people don't know. It's great that you're doing this. And I feel like I feel like this is going to be really helpful for like a lot of people to kind of understand. Um, yeah, quite a big topic, which is constantly in like constantly in rotation about contracts Mm. and music and all that kind of stuff so yeah I'm really looking forward to today oh I'm glad I'm glad and 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 it's a slight carry on from an episode that we did in season one um with Zubin where we looked at intellectual property um and Zubin who's Georgia Smith's manager has a has a law background so we kind of ventured a little bit into contractual stuff and things that you can change and you know, uh, sort of in your in your contract. But this is sort of, I wanted to really talk about real life experiences with this. Um, and I think it's really important to like, not like sensationalise. It's not about calling out companies. It's not about calling out bad people. It's literally everybody will find themselves in a position in at some time in their life where they are handed a piece of paper um, and it, it has a lot of legal things on it that you may understand that you may not understand, which can go on to have a, a, a big impact on your life. So I guess I wanted to start with, with, with you, um, Conductor, as to, you know, we're talking about two moments in our life, uh, a record deal that you signed and a management deal that, that I had signed. Um, so where were you in your life before you signed that deal? Like, where were you in your career 
what did you want? What was the next steps? So it would have been 2016, 2017, maybe. Um, I'd, so I'd, I'm originally from Bristol. Um, and I came to London to kind of satisfy my parents. I came here for uni. Um, but really, I had music in the back of my mind. And yeah, I kind of got to the stage where I was chasing this dream. And it got to a point where my studies had kind of subsided. I said, cool, let me give this a go. Um, I want to change, I want to fully pursue music. So I left, I left my, I left my uni course. So in politics and history, I left it. I didn't tell my parents I'd left it for a while. And I went on this kind of hustle of being in London, um, and trying to get myself out there and trying to, um, survive. I mean, London is an expensive city. It's not still, um, you know, luckily I had, um, my manager at the time, Gil, like his family, Claire, Ian, uh, it took me in. I was felt like I was a second son, like, they, t- they kept me, they t- took me in and I kind of had somewhere to stay. And like, from there I had a studio. Again, I was in a very privileged position. I then had like a studio in the garage, garage in the garage, where we obviously <laughs> shot um, uh, Studio Bounce. Um, and I think that's the thing with um, deals or particularly in that, in that position, a lot of artists or creatives at the very, very beginning are very vulnerable or you need you need some kind of sustenance to, like, to, to sustain yourself. Um, and that was the thing I was in. I didn't know exactly what the next step was, but I knew that I needed to make more money to survive and to be able to live and function. Um, mm. Like these DJ bookings that I was getting, again, it wasn't enough. The music I was doing, the remixes I was doing, again, cause a nice little one-off payment here, but that's not going to last me six or so months. Shows, again, I wasn't getting booked for festivals and it would be like somewhere, I might be doing all these fresher shows, I might be doing all these little shows. Like, I'm not getting booked for any of these festivals. And if I am, I'm not getting, like, peas. It's maybe, like, travel and, like, tra- travel, like, there and back and maybe a couple of drinks if I'm lucky. Again, that was, like, four or five years ago. So, um, yeah, that was kind of the position I was in before I signed my deal. I didn't have this kind of image of what I wanted to be or who I didn't want to be. I just knew that I wanted to, I could make music at a high level. And what I'd been doing so far up to this, that point had been working. And I thought that if I kept on, kept on, kept on pushing, I could go to the next level. I think the issue was, was that, and this is the kind of thing with music, I feel like in our heads, it's ingrained with this tradition that the next level is to, to be part of a record label. And I think this is what we have to unlearn or at least educate people that doesn't necessarily have to be the next logical step. You know, it's funny, I felt like at the time when I signed my deal, I thought it was like the best thing to happen to me. But it was ironically the worst thing that could have happened to me at that time, purely mm. because again, and again, I, I want to disclaim a disclaimer to everything. Everything that I say pertains to my experience. I don't think record labels are a bad thing. I don't think that, again, it's it's anyone's prerogative to to do whatever. All I can do is pertain to my experience. I still would have done it. I still would have done it. Like again, yeah. because I don't know what would have taken me to that next step. I could have probably tried and tried and tried. But when you're an artist, or when you when you sign up to be a creative, or you sign up to be in music. You make that choice. There's a choice mm. that you make, the sacrifices that you make, the life that you choose. Um, you know, like even if you get middle tier, it's very, very hard. Like regardless of genre, regardless of field, regardless of like actual craft. Um, so you know, you're kind of in this rat race, or you're trying to get to, you're trying to get to the top or get to the middle. And I thought, like at the time, the deal was the right thing to do. And arguably, even though I'm out of my deal now, you can still argue it's the right thing to do because I'm where I am now. Yeah. And it's because I signed a bad deal. I managed to navigate my way through it. It was life experience and it built me to where I was. 
I think what my my kind of mission and what I would like to do, or at least this can hopefully, this podcast can hopefully do, is show people that, um, you know, give people that foundation that you don't have to make that really catastrophic mistake to then learn. I I I feel so many similarities in in sort of where 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 we where we were at when 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 something like that gets presented to you. So mine was like a management, uh, a big flossy glossy management company, and at the time I had been trying to get onto one extra. So I was around twenty three. I've been trying to get on one extra. I've been working there for some years now. So I'd been there since I was nineteen. So I was going into like my fourth year of working there and getting to a place of frustration because I've been trying to get on, on air for like four years. And um, they kind of had seen that I was doing stuff on Represent and kind of had it in there, but not quite on there. Do you know what I mean? Um, so this big flossy management company, um, you know, essentially promised me the world. And the world was to make me so big that one extra would have to give me a show. And in that moment, it was like, yeah, because I've, I'm, I've done everything that I can possibly think of doing. Like I... I don't know what else I can do right now. So for me, it's like, okay, cool. So this does feel like the next step, which is to sign with a management company. Maybe people will take me more seriously. Maybe the people that have known me since I was 19 can have conversations with this company, take me more seriously, and then see that, you know, that I I, I should have a show on there because I'm, I'm, I'm good enough to. So it's kind of like it's a moment of um, vulnerability. It's a moment of desperation, but it's also... A logical moment in you thinking that that this is this 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 signing this is going to take me to that next level, and what I found really interesting, sort of looking back in hindsight, was you know was the way that they kind of wooed me, and you know none of their practices that they did was um was unethical or anything like that. It's just interesting as to what what got my attention, and um you know for, for, they basically kind of had signed quite big um, pop stars um, and had success success with pop stars. But their whole model was really about um, re, redefining what management was and it was really sort of focusing in, in on brand work and building brands and relating it to working with, alongside big big brands, you know, big deals to kind of really push your push yourself, not as just one thing, but as a brand yourself. So, you know, doing a campaign with Nike or being on a billboard for this and it was kind of just before we had sort of in between the blogger and the influencer somewhere yeah, in between it, that was the end of not the end of blog sorry let me not say that but blogs really held like wait like when you wanted to be on like hype machine charts and like you know like yeah. people or younger people or like that generation of people you would go complex to like look for like who's like who's like who's next up like, like who's hot now yeah you got like they held such big, um, they had a big pool. And like you say, like the same way that you're saying in terms of like management stuff, again, in terms of the wooing, like I got a one three, I got a Zinc 138 Trek vinyl. I like, I yeah. had the, the, the A&R came to my show. Like I brought out, like I found I brought AJ Trace, I brought Sweetie, I brought Coco, like I brought out Big Zoo, I brought loads of people. Yeah, came to my show, came to see me, was wooed by like, we, he actually wooed him. Like he was like, wow, like you could, you did all this you stuff. Like him. I see the potential. <laughs> Again, I'd been, I'd left uni, it'd been like two years or so, and I'd been grinding and grinding and grinding, still didn't have those summer festivals. Still, still, want, still was like, what more can I do? Like, it, my, my, me and my manager are doing the most that we can do, but what's going to take me to that next level? Mm -hmm. How am I going to get this festival? How am I going to get these bookings? Again, like, 
it felt like when you see a proven track record, you feel almost, I mean, there was one point when the deal was kind of taking a, a long time to kind of go through or like it was back and forth between lawyers. And I was, I remember saying to girls like, oh, like, are you sure? Like, is this definitely the right thing to do? And he's like, yeah, yeah. Like, honestly, it's the next step. It's the next step. And again, like, that little doubt in my head is eradicated because again, like, my best friend, my manager is telling me, cool, like, um, it seems like it's the next step. And the people above us, who were um who were also like we were kind of in a management company but again the thing that was a bit murky but they were also advising us that it was the right thing to do because they would get a commission on the deal anyway so of course they would tell us it's the right thing to do Mm. um one thing i have to say is that even though um i was i was semi-aware because i didn't want to take a big advance because i knew it was kind of alone and i thought it would immediately put more pressure on and i was kind of happy with like not the bare minimum, but I was happy with just getting getting, getting paid or just seeing, like, a big amount. Um, the irony is that even that big amount, that small advance took ages to come anyway. So it was like, it's funny how that side of it works in terms of, you know, you think X, Y, and Z is going to happen. And again, for people who are even thinking of signing deals, one thing I definitely advise is that that moment that you sign or want to sign that isn't job done because the the setbacks you'll face and the stuff you'll have to work through is 10 times harder than the actual come up to that grind because now you're in a machine. Now you're in a corporate yeah. system. Now you have to navigate of going X, Y, and Z. There's just so many kind of variables and stuff that, again, it comes from education because when people get into that position of call your face with X, Y, and Z or they're going to do da 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 what education do you have? You don't learn about this in school. You don't know about it from, unless your family and stuff are in music, like what, what, what do you do? You go into it blind and then you have to trust that the people advising you are on your side or have your best interests at heart. And again, I had a lawyer, um, but my lawyer even told me like, there's certain things in here. Um, I mean, again, here's an example. Um, in my record deal, there was a clause that stated that if my bookings ever rose to a point of above, I think it was maybe two grand or three grand, but they would also take 15% of that on top of the 20, 80% split that is already there. Again, a lot of people know now that a lot of artists don't make money off music. Um, The price of the actual value of music is at the lowest it's ever been. It's rock, rock bottom. Um, Again, as an artist, I wish I'd I'd known then. Like I value myself. All artists have to value themselves Mm. as a business longevity yeah the longevity and actually think of yourself as a business and understand and value yourself your ip and the stuff that actually belongs to you i'm sure meek mill tweeted he's never seen an accounting check or royalty mad that's meek mill and i'm conductor that is one thing i i i definitely because it was my first ever contract i didn't have a lawyer before that so i had a lawyer specifically for this contract who was introduced to me by someone else great lawyer uh, in terms of like respected lawyer, but they don't know me, and they didn't know my ambitions. They didn't know what I w- wanted to go on to achieve. So when she's looking at the contract, to her it's basically a normal contract. There's nothing in it that's shady. There's nothing in it that is illegal, illegal, which is what she's looking out for. But what she didn't know was what was right for me, and. At the time, the deal was, it was a three-year management deal, um, 360, so everything, anything that I do would be considered in it, um, anything that I would sort of go on to do, any sort of businesses that would develop, they wanted a 
straight in with like my club brand and 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 things like that um and only three months probation and now when I think back you know three nothing can happen in three months in three months you strategize and you strategize and you have loads of meetings and you think about what you're going to do and then you might go on to then action it but then by that point the, the probation's up so if that should have been a sort of a sort of red flag I think and if I'd have had the value and the knowledge of when I went into contracts after that, I had a year probation. And it would be like, let's chat in six months, see how we feel. Let's chat in another six months, see how we feel. Yeah, but the, that this lawyer, you know, as great as she was in terms of getting getting deals done, didn't have my interest at heart because she didn't know me. And I think that was such a, if I was, you know, that was such a big um, learning curve. Like the conversations that I have with my lawyer now, which is like, so what are you trying to do with this? Okay, so where do you see this going in five years? Well, Jamila, if you was to give away this now, then what, you know, <laughs> it's like her whole thing is about me retaining rights now. This is my lawyer now. So I, I think that's an interesting one. And, and, and deals do take a long time. And when you're young, you can get really um, frustrated at the length of the time it was taken. So I remember now we're, ne- we're negotiating on some points, but not not many points. And I remember the company kind of trying to rush rush me along. Um, and they were like, you know, look, we can't start working until you sign. So the longer you don't sign, we won't start working for you. And I think it forced me to like not negotiate as hard. Like, did you have any pressures on the timeline of how long things were taken? For me, I kind of, again, this is kind of my naivety when I was young. You know, like my lawyer actually had warned or said particular points which were bad. Again, I kind of had to ignore because I ignored them willfully. I made that choice because I thought it was the next thing for me to do. And to be honest, let me keep it real. I needed and I wanted the money. Like, I just needed that. I wanted the peas. Like, there's no more, there's nothing more to, there's nothing more, nothing less to even say there for like, from my personal point of view. And I think a lot of artists, the issue is, is you want that front end, like you want it and you're not thinking about the back end. And then when the back end comes back to haunt you, you're like, oh, I'm in a bad deal. And you haven't, you haven't, you don't have the aware, you only have the awareness later on when it's not working for you, what you've signed. I think mine kind of dragged out from like a November period into maybe February or so before my birth. It took a while. It took a while. Interest was there from like October then. You know, music, everything shuts down in December. No one, no one's working. There's Christmas parties. Everyone's doing whatever. <laughs> and then no one comes back until maybe like the 20th of January. And then it's already like third quarter <laughs> or whatever. Feb, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So for me, it was like, Again, I was kind of sold X, Y, and Z. Like, you know, you get this advance and you'd also get a studio fund. So for me, I was like, oh, wow, studio fund. I don't have to use my crappy lap, my crappy MacBook anymore. You know, I can kind of get this laptop and then get this sound card and get this mic. But then as the back and forth kept on going and then thing, I was like, is this even going to happen? Like, you guys are kind of playing with me or it felt kind of like you were toying with me and I had my patience kept on wearing thin and thin and thin. And again, you know, I signed, for me, I signed my deal. I didn't even get my first advance for like maybe another two or so months because they were just kind of taking long to to even again I think because we were young and we don't, we didn't I didn't have an accountant it was it was my manager it was Gil invoicing mm-hmm. they weren't probably thinking Gil that serious they were just like cool let's just wait and fob him off da, 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 da. but I wasn't um, yeah I was blessed like it wasn't as if I was I wasn't stretched or stressed for that money at that time but you know. I always think about a more vulnerable me or someone else was going through that situation and wasn't as blessed or privileged as I, I've been. I always think about that whenever I'm in a situation or whenever I'm kind of complaining, it's like, and that's what's sad or like kind of predatory about the music business, that it 
if you're vulnerable, it can get to you. Um, it didn't take long for things, the wheels to kind of begin to unravel and begin yeah. to fall off. And then, um, again, as it pertains to my experience, that's my, I want to disclaim that in terms of, mm. I know like with a lot of people, like there's people I know who are in deals and it works for them. It works perfect for them. For me and what I wanted to do and what I discovered that I wanted to do, it was very apparent that I'd made the wrong decision. Um, mm. I tried to stick through that, oblige the obligations that I had to do or do the targets that I had to meet. But again, there are points where I was slaving day and night to get singles done. We'd make the single and then get all the invoice. I'm, be, I'm submitting something and being told, no, that's not a single, it doesn't count. There were very, very, very strict conditions before it met the requirement, met the threshold for it to be classified as a song. Let me put it that wow. way. But there were times, again, I was submitting, I'd submit stuff or I'd get music together and it didn't, it wasn't deemed, again, it's a lot of effort, it's a lot of pressure, it's a lot of sacrifice you put in. Again, something that I don't regret those times. But again, um, for me, my character and the resilience I had, I was able to stay patient and not let it knock me back. But what if I really needed that 5K? What if I really needed that advance at the time? What if I didn't have any bookings? I'd be screwed. Mm. Like, I would have been screwed. What would I have done? Like, where would I have been? Just caught up in a sort of rat race of it, of it, of it, not, not, getting, not getting there. And remember, I, I can tell you exactly, the day that I signed my deal, we went to like Kensington Gardens, we went to this rooftop, me and Gil, we're smashing champers. I remember there's this video of me outside the Warner building with Fredo. We were doing Fredo 8100. We were gas. <laughs> I yeah. wish I took a photo maybe three or four months down the line of like where I was like mentally and where I was in that space because I'd chased the short. I'd, I'd chased the short. And unfortunately, I didn't know what entailed it being a record deal. The tables changed very quickly. Um, and it changed to something that I can adapt to. And when I tried to adapt, again, as it pertains to my situation, it then worked out. And and because, you know, sometimes it might start off amazingly and you should never forget that moment of that celebration. I remember when I had finally signed and they sent me flowers and, you know, it was a it was a it was a moment to be part of it. And when they announced that I was on their roster and tweeted a picture out yeah, of me. Gas, you, know, like, a, been, yeah. you get you get the booking agent, you're on primary, you get gas, you know, you're on the yeah. side, you know, Warner start tweeting about you, you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like again, just to like again gauge it and quantify it, I remember one of my aunt's asking me for a loan the moment she saw that I was outside the Warner building and aunt had it spoken no to in like 10 or so years again Stop this is it. stuff that like it's like um because they hear the songs and they hear the, the 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 films yeah because people as well see like they see Warner they see it's the image and it's validation it's kind of verification it's like oh, okay you're doing something to a high level because so and so is associated with you and that's the thing like even my parents they kind of started to get it when I got signed, even though the new music was kind of murky or like thing or didn't really trust it, it was a way of gauging, okay, he's not just making beats on his laptop. He's not just sitting in his room doing bullshit. There's something actually there. Unfortunately, we don't have, as artists, there's no kind of central source or like kind of, there's not a wealth of information to kind of understand the ins and outs of contracts, mm. how much you should be getting, what's right, what the what happens later on down the line? Should I be in this 360 deal? Things right. like that. And that is where I got caught out. So basically, I didn't realise that there's something called a Keeman's clause. Now, a Keeman's clause in a contract basically means that whilst you might be coming into the company, you are actually signed to the person that's brought you into the company. So should that person move on to another company, leave the said company, 
you would have to go with them. And I didn't really understand that or really take that on at the time. So when the relationship between me and the manager in question broke down just over time, just because of wanting to do different things, me not feeling like they were giving me enough sort of time, um, you know, not seeing them for, for a long period of time, six weeks would pass to try to get a reply, you know. So I started talking to the company and then they're like, well, yeah, you could just, well, we'll just find you a different manager. And then that's when the key clauseman thing came in. And it was like, actually, no, we can't. Because if we did that, then we would be undermining so-and-so and we can't do that. So that was a big thing that, that, that then caught me out. And then it was time for me to work out how to unravel this deal. So when you ha- were in your situation where you're submitting singles, you know it's not going right, you know, we're into this contract, uh, we're into this period, you're making music, but you can't kind of, you can't, you can't really move forward. How did you then decide to leave and what did you do? I mean, so I signed my deal in 2017. I only got on my deal last year. Again, I talk about being in a position, you know, I was only, I was lucky. I was, I was kind of blessed and privileged enough to know someone who could get out of my situation in a similar kind of thing to you, maybe less so, the person who signed me to the subsidiary of where I was at left. I was then left with a new person, A&R. They have no interest. They're not invested in me. You know, I'm just there. Like, And for me, I was lucky enough that um, I was able to kind of cultivate. I have a personality. I've always had a personality ever since I've been a kid. I knew that I could do other things to keep myself relevant, keep myself active and not um, release music I didn't want. I was able to like DJ and the bookings kind of slowly built and built. And I thought, like, because, again, fortunate enough, people liked me or no, I mean, I hadn't, had, I hadn't actually released anything for maybe a year and a half or two years because of my record deal. And I didn't know that. I had seen, I, so this is how this whole conversation came out in my mind. I read your DJ Mac cover. Yeah. And it was in that cover. It came out end of 2019, early 2020. And it was in that cover story that was saying, I finally, I can release music. And I was like, he hasn't released music in this time. I, was like, I, 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 I feel like I always hear Conductor's name, always. You know, I was playing stuff from your label. I, yes. I was seeing you in the club. I was on the same lineups as you. Um, but actually, no, I hadn't had a Conductor single. Yeah. And I, and again, I wasn't able to release that because of obligations or because I couldn't release stuff. Luckily, I was able to kind of that close... Thank God for Liam, shout out Liam. Um, yeah, there was the bit in that contract where I could, me being able to create Kiwi. Which is your label. Which mm. is my label, Kiwi Records. And um, I was able to release my own music. And also, again, it wasn't just for me. It was an avenue for me, but it allowed me to kind of build this community. And that's what I wanted to do. It wasn't about a passion project or like a brand for me. It was being able to bring community together, bring New UK Garage together and actually do what the label had signed me to do. Actually put in that work. Because this is the thing that the label had signed me to put me in this pedestal and made me do all these things, but I hadn't achieved X, Y, and Z. And they didn't know how to achieve X, Y, and Z. Again, another funny story. The last track I released before I was able to release music for two or so years, singles, I had submitted that track. It was the summer of 2018. I had an EP ready. I was, I was sending tracks away. I, I was getting no response from the A&R. Like, I was getting no response. Or it was like a week or so later. I got really, really depressed. I was in a really bad place. I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm just going to work on all these demos. And I put out this thing called Kiwi Cuts, which was a mixtape. It just had like 18 or so tunes. Did that, put it on my SoundCloud. All my like core fans were like, oh, this is sick. 
There was a single on there with Coco called Steezing. I submitted that to the A&R and said, um, yo, this, I think this could be a next single. It's too specialist. Da, 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 da. Again, another story for me. And again, this pertains to my experience. All of the singles that I did in my deal never got like radio plays. They got a couple of plays. They never got like Spotify playlists. The stuff that like labels or the benchmarks, the standard benchmarks that would, uh, that would require a label to feel like this is doing well, this is doing cool. Steezing. Got permission to put it out. They didn't really care. I think they didn't care because they let us put it out. 500 pound on the video. Like, didn't even do like a press or... It's your money now. So you're yeah. doing the rollout for it. They're like, yeah, put it out, whatever. But you're doing all the gr- groundwork for it. Five bills on the video. Just emailing it out. It got B-list on one extra. Did everything that all of my singles, which had a 5K advance, a 5K video budget. From that point onwards, for me... I knew exactly what worked for me was that system, the label system was never ever going to work for me because for me as the artist I am and the person that I am and the person, the stuff that I wanted to achieve, I can do it myself. It kind of just meant that I had to work on building Kiwi as a brand, as a label. And then, yeah, do my remixes on the side, still have DJ bookings. And again, I was kind of not lucky because I feel like I earned it and I worked for it, but it was tough. Like it was very tough. But again, a kind of another blessing in terms of Labrick Grove doing so well. Um, again, I knew I was like, cool. Labrick Grove is a song that you produced for AJ Tracy. Yeah. Charted, massive, massive record. Yeah. Um, and that enabled me to, again, kind of use my platform and build stuff. And stuff that money I was making from that, money I was making from bookings, I'm putting into the label. I'm putting into doing graphic work. I'm doing into content, videoing stuff, making sure that I can be, be my own label, be my own vehicle, just kind of bringing it back. Um, and again, this isn't like, I don't want this to seem, I, I hope it doesn't come across as a thing of like, oh, fuck labels and stuff. Because all like, that's lazy. It's really nuanced to talk about it like that. I think unfortunately for me, it was the wrong timing and it just didn't work out. Who knows? Maybe if I'd signed a deal two or three years later, it might have been perfect. I might have had my own subsidiary. Kiwi might have been under thing. And then who knows? It might have been the same thing might have happened. Like it, it could have worked like that. Who knows? But I know for at the time, it didn't, it wasn't right for me. Yeah. I just feel thankful that I'm able to, again, get through what I went through and try and give education to artists and stuff now, because I've not seen a penny from like, from the stuff that I made when I was, when I was in my deal. I haven't, I haven't seen that because I was in the red and that 80-20 split, again, the royalty, the way the royalty and stuff buses, buses down is crazy. And like, as an artist, one thing you'll learn as you, I think probably as you start to get more, make, make more and more, climb up the ladder, the pyramid, um, you have a loss to get paid. When the money gets split and split, and then it goes to the manager and then the agent and so-and-so, and when you're left with like maybe you've got 60% of what you should have earned. Then you've got to pay the tax on that. Then you've got life expenses. And then what you're actually left with is, it's nominal. Like it's nominal when it, it's like, it's, um, represent it's like, what really is your first million? Because your first million, after tax, after sorting out your parents, after sorting out, after sorting out your brethren and stuff, what are you left with? You're not left with a million. You're left with maybe a tenth of that or a fraction of that. (laughs) Yeah, 10,000, yeah. Yeah, you're not, you're not left with a lot. So it's like, um, yeah, there's, uh, 
there's a lot to be done to kind of get rid of this facade or like this kind of we need um just more education on like labels and what you're getting into and what that advance means and what you're actually borrowing against because it's a loan it's an advance it's you have to recoup that and as an artist already the odds are stacked against you but when you're going into a 28 a 2080 split which yeah. is the standard 80 to the big label, 20 to the artist. The math doesn't math. And you found your value in releasing that song on, on your own, you know, doing doing the groundwork. You What you found was your value. And what I had started to understand through the deal was what they could offer was a short-term, that short-term front-loaded glitz and glam at the front, but not much work at the back end. I was going to get my show on one extra regardless because I had already been putting in those five years of work. So when I did get my show on one extra it all came still via directly through me it was conversations directly through me i loop i was looping my management back in to the conversation you know no one was really trying to talk to them um but when it came so that was already they were like oh amazing she's got a show now but now that for me was like that was just the first step so when i'm saying like i want to i want to do a club night i want to i want to do this or i want to be doing this they're like yeah not yet yeah, no, yeah, yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember being told, oh, you can't release music in this quarter because you won't get festivals. And like you say, it's like, I mean, when you look in hindsight and stuff now, do you regret, like, do you regret signing that management deal? No, not at all. I mean, I don't regret it. I, I, I feel sorry for the, I feel sorry for the jams that found it turmoil to get out of. Um, or found it a stressful experience and was upset and saddened and thought that I had cut, you know, I'm never going to make it in the industry. Everyone's going to, they're going to tell everyone that I'm this and I'm that, you know, I, I, I feel sad for that, for that jams because that's not exactly how it went down. Um, but like you said, you sort of touched on the resilience and the picking yourself back up. I don't, I don't regret going for it because I, I have since had two amazing um, managers. I've signed many a contract since and I've known exactly what I wanted. And one of my saving graces, I think, that helped me get out of the contract, I had to go back to the same lawyer, one, a year later with my tail between my legs, back to that same lawyer, explain that it hadn't gone too well. And luckily, I hadn't had that much paid work through them, but I had saved some commission. I had saved the commission that we that they had brought. So when they were like, well, you owe us this amount of money. And I'm like, yeah, here it is. And I think that they wanted it to be like a kind of uh, a kind of a thing to scare me. But because I know that I I, I got your money here, don't worry about it. Like, let's, you, you just tell me the bank details and let's call it a day. And and luckily, you know, I was a big fish in a very small pond to them. I pay them two grand, you know, pay them two grand for commission for a year's work. Um, in the grand scheme of things, it wouldn't have been in anyone's interest for them to chase me down for a sunset period or to, or to, or to try and take the rest of my earnings for, for the next period of time. So I was able to sign, a, sign another contract that got me out of it and, and close the door on it. Um, but when I think about the lessons learned, what I liked when I spoke to you um, when we were we were in um, Croatia for a festival and we were standing in the queue for a restaurant and I said, knowing what you know now, would you have done anything differently? And you said no, because I needed to sign that deal and it's something that you said in this conversation already. At, in that moment in time, that was the deal that you needed to do and I, and I, and I, and I stand by that as well. I think what I would have liked to have had and what I have now 
is the knowledge of how it works legally. And I have the privilege to go back over a, a contract with my lawyer, go back over it again, ask questions. But what does that mean? Sorry, I'm just going to stop you there. Can you just tell me that in layman's terms? Now, I know you said it last week, but can you just remind me again? What does that actually mean? Can you put it into a scenario for me? You know, I've got that sort of, um, I have the time and space to do it to the point that I've, I, I got offered a contract for my label in January and I've only just signed it and the month is now October. So by the time this goes out, you know, yeah, by the time this goes out, it would have been a year in the making, but I had the patience, I, I now have the patience and the self-worth, the knowledge of my self-worth to push back and be like, wait, no, that's not quite right. Well, let's keep on going until we get it right. But I also have the privilege of money now in that I can pay a lawyer. I'm not worried about how much my legal fees are. I mean, I'm dreading it, but I'm not worried. I'm able to, I'm able to be like, no, let's, let's have another hour conversation on this because I really need to understand what this means and what this means for the future. So there's definitely, I think, so much more lessons to take from it is working with a lawyer that you a lawyer that has your best interest at heart and really taking time, like understanding your value and your longevity, but then taking the time with that contract because then you really start to see people's true colours. There's a lot of stuff about, like you say, a lot of people say, oh, no, no, you're worth and stuff, but really know your worth as an artist, really know the value of a creation, really know if you're going to put something out, you can make money from it. It might blow. Someone might sample it like in 10 years time. Mm. You can never stop learning as an artist. Always take stuff in. Always understand why this person might be doing this or why this person got screwed over in that deal, why this deal worked for this person. Yeah. And that's the thing, I think. you you Whenever someone serves you with a contract, you almost need to serve them with a contract right back. And, it, and, and through negotiations, you're saying, no, but this is what I'm going to need for you. Oh, you don't think that's a single? Well, if you don't think that's a single, then I'm going to need these clauses in place to define exactly what a single is so we both know we're all on the same page. Uh, the contract that they serve you is all about all the things that you need to do for them. And if you don't do them for them, these are the consequences. Well, this is what I'm going to need you to do for me. If you don't get back to me within... Uh, three weeks, you know, I'm able to fire you, basically. <laughs> you know, if I don't hear from you in three weeks and you haven't replied back to an email, got back in touch with me, answered a question, then I'm able to fire you and I'm in, within my rights to. So it's like taking all the the mistakes that you 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 had in that, in that moment, all the things that maybe haven't gone right when working with other people and then serving it right back to the next person that, um, that gives you a contract. Do everything you can to understand information that's on that piece of paper. You know, this isn't like you downloading an app. It's it's you. It's your future. You have to understand it. One thing that I regret is not understanding or taking into the totality of what I was signing or what I was signing away, because you are signing away your rights. Understand that you're doing that, and then what you're looking to gain. And if what you're looking to get, it like just have the whole your picture. Don't think about the short end. The long end can still work. You can still get that advance money, still flip it, still do the, 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 the X, Y, and Z, and still re-sign and still do your thing. It can still work. It, it has done. There's examples of that. I remember when I got out of my deal last year, there was stuff in my contract I didn't even know. I didn't even know from however many or so years ago. I didn't know the percentage of how much they would have been taking off my my uh, my deal. I didn't know that I was in the red. Make sure there's forensic or make there's, con there's um, the accounting is thorough and constant and that you're aware of how much is being spent on X, Y, and Z. Make sure that someone's not dining on your pocket or things aren't being spent out of your own budget. Know 
exactly what, what you're giving up, where your money is going, what you're making, what you're getting out. Yeah, a learning curve, but um, always an amazing one to to do. Thank you so much for your honesty today, conductor. I really Great. appreciate it's it. Really good. It's been yeah. really good. Like it's been it's been sick. And again, like it's just nice to again know someone else who's been through a similar situation and actually exchange stuff and kind of speak about it. Because again, it's like you know, if we hadn't had that dinner in Croatia or whatever, or that missing each other, or that, we probably spoke. All this stuff had happened. You only find out it because of the DJ Mag interview, and we've known each other for however, however long. Like, this is the thing. There's so many experiences in music. It, we need to get rid of that cloak, get rid of the cloak, and let people see it like there and understand it. And yeah, stuff like this is great. I love how passionate and frank Conductor was about sharing his story. You know, he was really honest. What what worked for him might not work for you and vice versa. But one thing I thought was really important was the fact that he was like, you know, if you asked a young conductor, would you sign a deal again? He would do it again. But if you asked a conductor now, having gone through that experience, would he sign a deal or sign a contract of that nature? He would say, no, it doesn't work for him. So you can make mistakes. You can bounce back. And at the end of it, he's got an amazing label and a brand to show for it. Thanks for being here for this episode of the DIY Handbook. I've been Jam Supernova. And if you like what you heard, then just let me know. Leave a review, talk to me on socials, and please, please subscribe because there's more great information, stories, and advice to come in future episodes.